welcome to a Word for This Day podcast. I'm Jory Schaefer, the show's host and creator, and it is my joy and my pleasure to welcome you today. Welcome back to all you regular listeners. Thank you for coming back day after day. Thank you for studying God's Word with me. And welcome to anyone who's found us for the first time. It's no accident that you are here today, friend. So please don't run off quite yet. Please stick around for a bit and let's see what the Lord has for all of us as we spend time thinking about the truth that's found in His Word today. Oh, I'm just so thankful that you are here. I want you to know that I continue to pray for you day after day. I continue to pray that the Lord would draw you closer to Him and give you more of that desire to know Him, to seek Him, to read and understand His Word. And I pray that um, you will be deliberate and intentional in knowing more of Him and spending time with Him. You know, it's so important for us to read His Word, to study it, to live it out, and to share it. And one of the ways that we can, or there's several ways, as I tell you frequently, that we can keep our minds stayed on Him throughout the day, um, and that's having a little memory, scripture memory verses stuck here and there to work on, uh, be reading through the scriptures, work on your uh small group study or Bible uh, Sunday school lesson, uh, spend time in personal worship, just you and the Father. It's not just once a week on Sunday mornings uh, is the time that is the only time that we're to worship. May you be doing that each day, uh, whether it is uh, within your prayer time, and it should be. There should be times throughout the day that you just thank Him and praise Him for who He is and how He loves you and how He cares for you. Uh, But also in the music that you listen to, if you listen to music, make sure that it's God-honoring music that will point your heart and your mind to Him. Um, And so I just want to encourage you, uh, think about Him throughout the day. Keep your mind stayed on Him. Please consider sharing this podcast podcast with friends, family, neighbors, strangers, just anyone who you think may receive a blessing from it, and know that I love to hear from you. I love to hear what the Lord's doing in your lives as you're spending time with Him. Well, our verse for the day for February the 27th, 2024, comes from the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 2, verse 27, and it reads as follows from the English Standard Version. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Oh, friends, I feel like the Lord's kind of hammering this home this month. We talked about this briefly, I believe, a few days ago when we were in Genesis. And now we're going to see what Jesus has to say about the Sabbath and, and search that out and see if we can get clarity from the scriptures here. Oh, I love his word. I love all the words and all the verses, and I'm excited for us to park here and see what we can figure out. Well, you know, if you've been on this journey with me for very long, this is the time that I think it's wise for us to think about where we are in the scripture, who may have written this 
book or later, what we can learn about the author, what we may be able to uh, figure out about the recipients, what the purpose was. And so we are in the Gospels today. And the New Testament begins with the four Gospels. We've talked about that before. It moves to New Testament history, which is the book of Acts, then to Paul's letters, then to the general letters written by men who were not Paul, and then to New Testament prophecy. The four Gospels that begin the New Testament tell the story of Jesus' earthly ministry. So his time when he dwelt among us, when he walked on this earth, fully God yet fully man. And the Lord used four different men from four different backgrounds with four different writing styles to tell this wonderful story of what Jesus has done. Now the critics of the Gospels will say, well, they're all a little different. They uh, they tell some of the same stories, but some of the details are different. Well, that's to be expected if God uses four different people to write the, about the same thing. The interesting thing here is that two of these Gospels were written by uh, two of the apostles who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, saw his miracles, saw uh, his crucifixion, saw him after he was resurrected. They saw all of that in person. But two of those were written by men who uh, were not in that original apostle group. So John and Matthew were in that original apostle group. We've talked about them a lot before. Uh, but Luke and Mark were not. They received their information from those who were, uh, who did walk with the Lord Jesus. And it's thought that the, that Mark was a very close traveling companion, very close worker with the Apostle Peter. And we know that when Peter was released from one of his imprisonments, and we read about this, I believe it's in Acts chapter 12, um, that he went to the home of John Mark's mother. Uh, Mark is known as John Mark. Uh, there's nowhere within his uh, gospel, within Mark's gospel, that says, I, Mark, wrote this. And uh, the four gospels are that way, but the earliest church historians confirm that Mark wrote this. Um, and it's thought that he wrote this primarily to a Roman audience based on uh, the the way that he wrote and he wrote and explained some of the Jewish customs as if uh, people who were non-Jews would be reading it. It's very interesting to me that Mark's gospel moves along at a very fast clip, a very fast rate. He um, doesn't go into as much of Jesus's teachings as he does uh, tell us just what he did. Um, you know, some of the other gospels will, will delve more into the teachings and, and um, maybe why Jesus said certain things, but Mark just tells the story. You know, he opens up uh, not at the uh, around Jesus's birth like Matthew's and Luke's Gospels or at the very beginning of time like John's Gospel, but he opens up right at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, talks about John the Baptist being the one who uh, baptized the Lord Jesus and uh, then just jumps right in. You'll see in Mark's Gospel, and it's the shortest of the four Gospels, that he uses the word immediately. 
a lot. <laughs> and so you just see it from uh, moving from point to point to point. But I love it. I love it when we're in Mark's gospel. Of course, you know, I love all the words and all the verses. As I mentioned a minute or two ago, um, it's thought that Mark was a very close traveling companion and a close worker with the apostle Peter. And Peter even describes him as Mark, his son, in at the end of First Peter. We know that, um, as I mentioned, we read about his uh, meeting with the Apostle Paul and his work with the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 12 and also in chapter 13. And actually, Mark was um, a traveling companion with Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas and Mark were cousins. We read about that in Colossians. Uh, but there was a little bit of trouble because Mark left the work. He left Paul and Barnabas. And uh, we're not sure exactly what caused him to do this, but it caused a little bit of a riff and a disagreement between Paul and Barnabas because when Paul had said that uh, to Barnabas, that he would like to go back and visit some of the places where they had already been. Barnabas asked if they could take John Mark with them, and Paul said no because uh, Mark had left them in the work. And so uh, we're not sure exactly what happened then, but we see later in Paul's letters that that relationship was restored. Paul describes Mark as one who was useful to him and uh, told the others that if he came to welcome them. And so when we think about for whatever reason that Mark uh, left the work, Think about what an encouragement and a mentor Peter would have been to Mark. Uh, because Mark, I'm sorry, Peter had had that episode where he denied Christ, but then uh, Jesus graciously used him mightily to help share the, the good news of the gospel after he had turned back. And likewise with Mark, you know, he was probably young and who knows if he was afraid or uh, just had... Um, who knows what happened, uh, but later God has used him mightily um, and used him to write these things. And it's thought that a lot of what he wrote in his gospel, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> was exactly what the Apostle Peter taught. And so I'm excited for us to park here. Well, as I mentioned, when Mark's gospel opens up, he uh, opens up telling about John the Baptist preparing the way and showing how this was part of the prophecies that uh, was being fulfilled, part of Isaiah's prophecy, and uh, talks about Jesus' baptism, talks about Jesus calling his first disciples, and um, then how Jesus was healing, casting out demons, and preaching in and around Galilee, and uh, then how Jesus healed the paralytic whose friends had lowered him down through the rooftop to get to Jesus because it was so crowded that they couldn't get him uh, get through the door. And um, once Jesus had started this, once his ministry started, and we've talked about this a great deal, um, and we'll continue to talk about this, uh, Lord willing, um, there was opposition to him. The Pharisees and the chief priests and all of those who were religious leaders um, just couldn't understand. They couldn't accept that Jesus was truly this Messiah, that Jesus was who he said he was. And so you start to see um, here in Mark's gospel, you start to see it in about chapter four, I think, 
5 or 6, maybe chapter 6 in John's gospel, this beginning um, problem with the Pharisees, how they're, they're starting to seek how they can catch him up in different things and try to get him to be quiet. And they question him and they come against him. And so we're going to start to see that now as we lead up to our verse for the day. Remember that the Pharisees had their rules. They had the way that they thought things should be done, and they were rules that had been added uh, to the law. It were it was man-made rules, man-made traditions, things taught by men, and they uh, put such heavy burdens. Jesus described it on people uh, based on these rules and. Uh, we start to see that um, in this section right before our verse for the day where um, there was questions about fasting and uh, John's disciples, the uh, John the Baptist had disciples, those who followed him. Um, and then the Pharisees couldn't understand why Jesus's disciples didn't fast like uh, like they did, why they didn't follow the rules that the Pharisees thought that they should follow. And Jesus talks to them in the verses before where we find our verse for the day and says, um, you know, people don't fast when the bridegroom is with them, um, but they they will fast when the bridegroom goes away. Now, of course, uh, the Pharisees and those religious leaders didn't understand that Jesus himself was the bridegroom and that the church is the bride of Christ. Uh, they didn't understand all that. They didn't understand what he meant, that he would be going away. Um, but he's starting to lay down that that foundation. And for those that would hear and for those that would believe, they would be able to look back and understand this. And so we have that going on. And then we have the whole issue about Jesus and the Sabbath. Uh, we've talked about, I believe, I know we did last year, um, about uh, when Jesus healed on the Sabbath. I think he did it on purpose. Of course, everything he did was according to the Father's will. He did exactly what he was supposed to do, his will and his way, because he is one with the Father, was exactly perfect. So his timing was perfect. And so when he healed on the Sabbath, it was uh, for a very specific reason and to expose, I believe, some of these um Wrong, some of the wrong thinking of the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And um, here's another episode that we'll find in our verse for the day about something that happened on the Sabbath. So let's pick up here in Mark chapter 2, verse 23, and read forward to our verse for the day. It says, One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, that's talking about him and his disciples, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to them, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God at the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he, and this is our verse for the day, and he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. And I'm going to read right after that. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. So 
here's the picture of what was going on. The, the disciples were on their way and they plucked some heads of grain. So you see the Pharisees saying, oh no, look, you worked on the Sabbath. You can't do that. But we must remember that Jesus would have done nothing to break the law. He was perfect. He was the only one that could keep the law. So if he did something or he allowed those who were with him to do something, um, it was not uh, it was not against uh, God's law. And so you can look back in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25, and it's written in the law. If you go into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the ears with your hand, but you shall not put a sickle to your neighbor's standing grain. So it was lawful, and apparently people left uh, bits of grain and wheat standing so that those who were walking along the way could pluck just a few heads of that and eat that. And that's what his disciples were doing. Um, But Jesus didn't point that out to them. (laughs) He points out what David, you know, the, the beloved King David, who was a man after God's own heart did when he and his men were, um, hungry at some point and they went in to, uh, the tabernacle and and ask the priest for the bread of the presence and usually that was something that only the levites could eat um but uh, god provided and allowed them to have that and that was not a sinful thing and so jesus was trying to make that point and then he says um, and and i'll put in the reference where you can go back and read about uh, that that happened with abithar the priest and david um and i'll put that down in the show notes um but jesus goes on to say you know this is important for you to remember uh, that the Sabbath was was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And we talked about this, about how God um, m- made the Sabbath day. He, he made it holy because that was the day that he rested from his work. It was his example for us, but he did it for us to make us to um, think about him, to focus on him, and so that we may be refreshed. And I want to show you some of these verses. Uh, God knew that we would need to rest. God knew that we would need to take that time to focus on him. And Jesus's point was eating is not working on the Sabbath, friends, and <laughs> and that uh, God provides and Uh, God made the Sabbath for us to focus on him and to remember him and to remember what he'd done. If you look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, well, verse 2, it says, And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. He gave us the example. He rested. But I love this, as I mentioned about refreshment, where um, God gave Moses these words to tell the people when Moses was reminding them about keeping that Sabbath. Now, God was serious about keeping the Sabbath, and he wanted to make sure that they were following and abiding by him, that he they were being obedient, that they weren't going out and doing ordinary work on that Sabbath day. But if you look here, it says in Exodus 23, 
beginning in verse 12, six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. He did it for us. That was Jesus's point. And we just must remember that. We must take that time to rest. We must take that time to thank God and to think of God. But God did it for us. And Jesus goes on to say he's Lord of the Sabbath, so he can do with it what he will, but he would have done nothing that dishonored his father. He would have done nothing that was outside his father's will. And, you know, nowadays we are not bound to rules and regulations, but the example of what God gave on that remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy following that uh, example that he gave of resting because he rested and he did it for us. We are not bound by those rules uh, like they were, but they had, unfortunately, the the religious leaders and the Pharisees had added to the rules. Um, They'd made it much more burdensome and difficult than what God had intended. Um, But I think it wise for us to rest. I think it wise for us to take that time to rest our bodies, to rest our minds, and uh, to think about God and to be refreshed. And so um, if you don't have that practice, consider doing that not as a keeping the law sort of thing, but as an honoring God and being thankful for Him. Um, You know, we cannot do anything. We can't keep uh, the rules of the law. No one could uh, keep them all except for Jesus. Um, But all of those were meant to honor God and to put him first. And so may we continue to do that for his glory. And may we thank him that he gave us that Sabbath rest. He made it for us. And uh, so I'm just so thankful, thankful for his love, thankful for his mercy and his grace. Blessings to you, friends. Until next time.